This is the Wild Sage Society podcast, where we explore the ideas and practices that help us live healthy, connected, and purpose-filled lives. Each week, our host, Marcy Walker, connects with healers, spiritual leaders, doctors, and small business owners on topics such as human resilience, conscious leadership, and modern shamanism. Here is your host, Marcy Walker. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode nine. I will be sitting and talking with a dear friend of mine, Dr. Lane Leinbaugh. She is a chiropractor, an author, a certified advisor with PMA Power, a small business owner, an avid runner, and health enthusiast. Thank you, Lane, for being here today. Thank you, Marcy, for inviting me to come and speak with you and your people. (laughs) You have known me for a really, really long time and have seen my transition from a bookkeeping, hula hooping hypnotherapist to what I am now. And the reason you got this big invitation today is I think that you have a powerful message around private member associations. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that you helped me find my own, found my own. So Would you do us the honor in talking about breaking down what is a PMA? So a PMA is a private membership association. And this structure is longstanding. It's very legal. The first case law date backs to 1803. And well, there was for many decades, um, centuries even, People knew the difference between the private and the public domain. But in the 50s and 60s, the civil rights movement and kind of, you know, people became more aware of what was happening and they wanted to start removing themselves from government intrusion. We have to say, no, we're not anti-government, but we are anti-government intrusion because we have a constitution that says that the government should be limited and we have a lot of rights and a lot of freedoms and they've really been overstepping. So at that time, it was a movement like today, we see today, And after that movement, the government said, well, we don't have to teach them, the people, the rights and liberties that they have in public school, known as a state school. So they took civics out of our curriculums. So people lost knowing about the private domain. So back to longstanding legal, it It protects our rights as the Constitution does, but it's with founding documents, just like our country has founding documents. And funny enough, as a chiropractor, our history goes back to when the medical doctors and those powers that be said, oh, no, no, you can't heal people without a license. And so a lot of my forefathers in the chiropractic and the natural healing space, they created private associations. And it's when you look at the faith-based part of that, I'm sure we'll get into that a little more. But when you look at the faith-based, that's a natural segue into natural health and education and uh, reliance on nature because that's part of God's law. Yeah. Yeah. So I was someone that had an LLC and I still have that today. And then, like I said, you helped me found my PMA. And mine is faith-based because I believe in the power of nature and the power of God and spirituality and all of the things. So what are some of my benefits in having a PMA? 
So there's different in PMA power. I'm an independent contractor and probably this is a good time to say for everybody to be aware that I am not a CPA. I am not an attorney. I do not. I'm completely transparent and don't hold any degrees that I'm not transparent about. And that taking this information and using it, whether you contact me, you contact another advisor, but you have your own responsibility for your experience and your results. Beautiful. Yeah. So, sorry, back to the question. (laughs) No, I appreciate the disclaimer. The benefits. Yes. Okay. So, we start really with a standard PMA and a standard PMA protects your First Amendment rights. So your freedom of speech, your right to get together and assemble, religious liberty, right to privacy. And then we kind of skip into some due process stuff there as well. That's related to the other amendments. And a standard PMA is really good for, say, somebody that wants to have a social club or a drinking club in a dry county. This person says, I want these protections, but it's great y'all have this religious liberty thing, but it's not really what I'm that interested in. And the police are very familiar with these structures, just as a good example, that at a drinking club, if somebody is calling somebody names that they won't go in, you know, they're not going to come in for something like that. It's a PMA. They're not coming in. But if there's substantive evil, such as murder, rape, robbery, then they're coming in. Doesn't matter because that is a crime anywhere. So we have those freedoms of speech, all of those freedoms in the standard PMA. Now, to your question, then we move into what's called the faith-based organizations. And we can have different levels here. So if we go to the ones that we're familiar with, faith-based organization, ministry, church, temple, synagogue, people are really familiar with those titles and what's happening in those spaces, right? There's some worship, there's good works, um, there's probably outreach, there's community, same protections, But now we have a lot of case law. There's over 1,600 examples of case law or cases that have been ruled in favor of the ministry because of our constitutional and our forefathers, the founders and the framers, that spiritual foundation that they gave us in this country. Wow. Okay. So your benefits, again, are your freedoms of speech, your right to get together and assemble. Now we're going to move over to the structure that you picked as a faith-based organization because you said, well, I don't really have a ministry and I don't have a church. I still like this idea. I really am a faith-based person and I'm running my business as a faith-based entrepreneur. Okay. There's not going to be any substantive evil going on here. So then we can use this. It falls under the faith-based association. So churches and religious organizations may be legally organized in a variety of ways under state law, such as unincorporated associations, nonprofit corporations, corporations, soul, and charitable trusts. So right there, we fit with that incorporate the um, association. And same protections, case law. It's a firmly held spiritual belief system that you have, that I have, but 
were saying, you know, I don't really need the ministry. Ministry could have a lot of things going on. Maybe they're teaching finances and education and they've got a healing portion and they're going to grow food. So think of a ministry. They always have a lot of things Mm -hmm. going on. Whereas people like myself and you said, hey, we're going to kind of stick in this health and healing realm. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Perfect. Good. So why are PMAs becoming more popular? Ooh, great question. (laughs) 2020. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I did not know anything about PMAs until early 2021. And a woman that I met speaking out for our freedoms and our, our liberties, our constitutional liberties at the county commissioner meeting, she came in the office one day and she says, we're going to do PMAs. I'm like, what do you what? We're going to do a what? It's a private member association. And I went to a meeting that week and it was a no brainer to me. And you know me. I kind of have to think about things and weigh things. And I said, I will ask questions later because it's so protective of what I need to do in the community. And that was, I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to tell somebody they have to put something over their face when they don't want to put something over their face. They need to have choice on that. And I need to be able to speak freely since 2014. And you need to be able to speak freely. Since 2014, we were not supposed to say anywhere on advertising, social media, anything that chiropractic could stimulate the immune system, that frankincense oil has been known to cure cancer, all of those things we had to use code, can't cure a headache, mm-hmm. can't yeah, take out all those words, cure, you know, it might help with some tension. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a no-brainer, and I think that's turning into a no-brainer for a lot of people in the current of what's happening with more and more attempts at government control. And people are saying, well, they are trying to run right over the Constitution. Let's make founding documents that have a clear delineation of what we're doing here and a constitutional shield. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. So with some people that are practitioners and things that are in our healthcare industry that are more naturopaths and osteopaths and all the things, what would your recommendation be for them? For them in founding a PMA? Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it. (laughs) Okay. But maybe we want to talk a little more about why someone might want to do a, have a healing ministry. Okay. Okay. So if you have a naturopathic doctor, some states don't require them to be licensed anyway. Right. Right. There's only a couple that require them to be licensed. Otherwise they're not licensed, which in a way is kind of a bonus for them. Because licensing in many, many cases can, it's another way to say, well, here, we're going to require you to do more paperwork and to submit more money and to be under our rule when you just spent $200,000 in four years of your life getting the big old diploma on the wall. It's like, why do I need to go from state to state? It's kind of like car registration. I registered it once. I didn't move. Right. Right. Great point. And then there are other naturopaths that, that based off of the state regulation, can only consult. They can't diagnose. Right. 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 Well, none of us are supposed to be diagnosing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So anyway, so back to the ministry. So maybe a naturopath or myself, even I I decide to expand and join the family business, then I would want to have a ministry where I could do more things. 
And there's a lot of people looking at this too, that are doing this where they can have food production. I just learned about two days ago that the government has a new program they're coming out with and they want us to register your backyard garden. And it's a trap. And they're going to make it very enticing. And, you know, we'll give you all of these things to help your garden grow. And it's another land grab. Wow. Yeah. So people are really, really interested. And it's actually kind of beautiful because we lost so much knowledge about how our country was supposed to run. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready to unlock your true potential and embark on a transformative journey of healing and well-being? Look no further than the Wild Sage Society. Join us for upcoming events, webinars, and workshops to experience the fusion of evidence-based therapies with ancient wisdom, bringing you to a deep level of physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional well-being. To stay up to date on our upcoming events and to access exclusive content, subscribe to our newsletter at thewildsagesociety.com. Connect with us on Instagram at Wild Sage Society for daily inspiration, transformative stories, and community engagement. And don't forget to subscribe to the Wild Sage Society podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, where we explore the ideas and practices that help us live healthy, connected, and purpose-filled lives. So with the registration of land in the backyard gardens, that I mean, I have a pretty lofty goal of making my yard 80 to 90, 95% edible or medicinal. And I've been growing in the backyard for as long as you've pretty much known me. It's a me. beautiful garden. Thank you. I'm always a little envious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm truly blessed with my garden. Yes. Um, so that's really fascinating. Fascinating. We can put the link to the podcast. It's Chris Ann Hall, and she's a constitutional attorney. Okay. Everybody should be listening to her at least once a week. Okay. But probably more. Okay. You know, that's probably a good point with that, too, is the private and the public space. is That's another podcast we can link from her where private property, so we're sitting in a private space, and we have freedom of speech. We have the right to assemble, to get together. We can do whatever we want here, but because it belongs... That person's freedom of speech supersedes my freedom of speech. Got it. Okay. So somebody comes into my space, and this is actually a real, real world thing, is I'm like, you actually don't have to wear that thing here. You can if you want to. I'd prefer if you didn't. But I could tell them not to. Right. Okay. Okay. Same with a store. So we were all a little wrong. <laughs> walking into stores and telling them that they couldn't tell us to wear things, certain things. We were all very wrong. It's their private property. So we were not supposed to do, be doing that. However, who was more wrong was the United States government telling those store owners, telling those people on their private property what they had to do. Well, it, it affected so many different people, small businesses, and yeah, it's uh, unfortunate that the economy hasn't made any changes. Yeah. yeah, and it's unfortunate that the people just didn't say to the government, no, no, this is my private property. You can't tell me to do that. You can't tell me. Right. Right. It was in a place of scare. Yeah. 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 And fear. So. so talking about the private property, I was thinking about... Um, finding a location to rent that's outside of my home office. Okay. And now that I have a PMA, 
So how does that affect the business owner? So if I was to rent a room mm-hmm. as a sublease okay. from a place, how would that? Yeah, great question. So what you want to do is find a landlord that is like-minded. Okay. Don't surprise the landlord. Okay. Don't surprise the landlord with your no pre- trespassing sign because you're going to have one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it will state that according to NRS Nevada, NRS, I think it's... One two zero zero or something. I would have to look up my sign. Oh. Anyway, it's the no trespassing sign, and you want that very visible. And I don't know mine by heart, but it just says like we believe in God, the power of the body to heal itself, natural immunity, and anybody here on official governmental business, including but not limited to. And then I list some things um, cannot be here. Yeah. Now switching hat from contract law. Mm-hmm. to my retired past life of bookkeeping. Uh-huh. I know that once we did my founding PMA, mm-hmm. that I filed for an EIN. Yep. So I got my EIN and check. Now my next step would be going to a bank. One of the things when you started talking about the PMA that I was really kind of excited about was the opportunity to work with a bank that was backed by silver. Oh, yeah. oh, my friends at Liberty Dollar. Yeah. Yeah, silver's going up, by the way. <laughs> That's very cool. So now we're kind of getting into tax code. Yeah. But as a unincorporated association or an unincorporated ministry, we have the opportunity to stand again on those foundational practices and the foundation of what our founding fathers, that was a lot of foundation words, wasn't it? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It it just emphasizes the importance of a foundation. Of a foundation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That that actually religious organizations and faith-based associations and, and ministries and churches have an exception to taxation. Wow. Yeah. So it goes under tax code 508C1A, and nobody's going to know about it if you talk to a CPA. You've never heard of it in all of your years of bookkeeping. Attorneys don't know about it because there's nothing for them to do. It's a private realm. It's the private domain. You can get a bookkeeper like you, but the CPA is not going to know, and the attorneys don't know because they're not taught. Okay, so 508C1A really stands again on that. First Amendment rights, it upholds those as well. But what happened was they needed a statute to designate what was happening in the private space, in the ministry space, because many people had done the 501c3 route, which is incorporating. It's now that your church is the creature of the state or your nonprofit is a creature of the state. Right. Right. So they had to accept them out of the powers of general government or the powers of the government to infringe upon or regulate a faith-based entity. Okay. Okay. Refresh me on the second part of your question, though, because I kind of went off. I'm not 100% sure at this point because everything you were saying was fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Next question would be about donations versus service income. Ooh, I love this one. You do? (laughs) I do because I have such a good picture of it now, thanks to one of my colleagues. So we want to think of, we'll call it the private association or ministry bucket. Okay. Okay. So if you have 
monies, if you have donations and you have service money coming into your bucket, that's the ministry bucket. Remember, we've got a shield around it Mm -hmm. and it stays there. That's not a tax event. Okay. Okay. It's internal. It's just circulating around. It can pay for expenses. It can pay for your living necessities and it goes right back into the association and the ministry. Okay. But if you pull money out and pay yourself, now that's a taxable event. To me as a person. To you as a person. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you would have something, you would have a filing requirement. Right. Right. But as long as it's in this bucket, even services, they can stay there. Okay. Okay. So let's say I hire another practitioner Mm -hmm. and I decide to keep her as a 1099. Okay. So she would be a subcontract practitioner. So there's an expense because she would bill me for her time or her her service, right? Right. Under normal pretense, if I was an LLC, I would have to file 1099s and all the things with her. Does that apply with this EIN as well? It does not. Okay. It does not. Again, you've got your association ministry bucket. Yeah. It's a great question, right? So you can 1099 her. Mm Mm-hmm. And then what if she does with the 1099 or him? Yeah. What they do with the 1099 is their business. Okay. But you are not going to submit that. There is no filing in your association or your ministry under the 508C1A tax code. And so even though that there are some privileges in the tax code that I would still recommend for anybody that's a small business owner as a prior bookkeeper to keep immaculate records. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's some benefits to that, right? Because as a self-employed person for many, many, many years, so I go to buy a house, right? Yeah. I didn't have paperwork on my income other than a good P&L, a good profit and loss. Right. So you always want to keep good records. Yeah. Because then I was able to buy a house. Got it. So okay. same for your ministry or your association. Yeah. Yeah. Keep good records. Keep good records. Yeah. So Lane. Yes. You've given us a lot of information. And to see you blossom into a contract law <laughs> person. Le- person who can speak some sort of <laughs> legalese. I know. is astounding to me. Astounding to me too. I have to look and go and say, who are you and what did you do with Lane? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a totally different person than who I met in 2004. But that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) So now that you have said all of this legalese and provided us some education into the United States history, what other information do you think is valuable for the listeners that would be a healer or a doctor, a small business owner? I think it's kind of cool to remember the context of the Constitution as applied here, that Congress shall make no law with regard to religion and the exercise thereof. Zero. That means no law. They cannot regulate what we're doing as faith-based organizations and faith-based people. So... I think what would be helpful, because a lot of people get really nervous around the words church and religion these days, and it's actually kind of sad with everything, because that used to be me, but with everything that I've learned, we have so much freedom because God gave us freedom, and 
this country was founded on God's law. And so even though people get nervous around these words, it's like, you know, the Greek definition of church is ecclesia, which is a gathering. It's assembly. It's association right on back to the First Amendment. This is why they did these things. If you look in Black's Law Dictionary, same definition because they can't define it. It's just something to that they used history to tell us about. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. I am putting together a program. It's a year-long group coaching program, and it's around the medicine wheel, which is one of the aspects of the shamanism that I do, right? Yeah. And they talk, you know, I've been doing all this reading on the medicine wheel, and it's it's based off of astrology pretty much. And the fascinating thing about it is that indigenous tribes would get together to celebrate spirit, which is in everything inside the medicine wheel. So the medicine wheel was its own church of its own right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and that's kind of why I wanted to say that was our fa- founding fathers said, yes, we love Christianity. We think it's the best of the best. And what we want, though, is a society that is run by a moral order. So if somebody was living already living in this country, Amer- the Indians, right? All the shamanism you're learning if they were living here and people were coming to this country and didn't have that same Christian background or belief system, they said, as long as it's a moral guidance system. So that was what was the most important. And we can see it's evident in front of our eyes every day what has happened to our society without those guidelines. Truthful. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to just you know, in part to people, you don't have to be so nervous around these words. They're very beautiful, really. Ecclesia is a beautiful word. Yeah. And it's part of our rights. And it, you don't have to say, oh my gosh, but I don't have a church. But you do have a church. You have a gathering if you were thinking about creating one of these. Yeah. In the faith-based yeah. sense. Yeah. The definition of ceremony goes into mm-hmm. that that's a, a gathering together, right? right? An opportunity to celebrate spirit that's in everything. Yeah. And they do opening sacred space and all the things and calling in. Their belief is that we're all, you know, spirits and everything and that we have all of these relations. Yeah. Beautiful. So if you didn't do such an amazing job in helping me do my 5081C. C1A. C1A. Yes, thank you. And I was looking to have that. How would someone reach you? Well, I happen to have a website. You do? <laughs> no way. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And you have a YouTube channel. And so I have you a start- YouTube channel. Yeah, will you share both of those places? So the YouTube channel is Health Freedom with Dr. Lane. And it's growing and the videos are short on purpose. <laughs> Because it's such, as you could tell, it's a big topic. Yeah. So it's just bites and snippets. And my website is just my name, laneleinbaugh.com. And that is L-A-Y-N-E-L-I-N-E-B-A-U-G-H.com. Perfect. Go there and book a free consultation. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today on episode nine. I love and appreciate you. And we didn't even remember that question. We didn't, but... If we'll remember it, we'll Jesse put it in the show notes. There we go. Thanks, Jesse. That'll work. Thank you so much, Mercy. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.